What's up, everybody? Welcome to Long Time Ago Radio, a conversational podcast about Star Wars and the official podcast of a StarWarsPodcast.com. I'm your host, Joshua Mobley, and I'm joined by my two favorite fans in the galaxy, Alex Vargas and Rebecca June Lane. How are you two doing? I'm doing well. Doing good. Yeah. It's a thousand degrees in New York today. I feel as bad. I know it is along much of the East Coast, but oof, it's hot. I need um I need some Star Wars like summer gear. I want like a cool. I should get like a Leia bikini. Or is that too Just on to, the nose? Uh, I I mean I can't pull that off, so someone needs to. <laughs> you might be able to pull it off. You don't know. I'm gonna get complaints. I don't know. You pair the Leia bikini with your cool like, you know, bounty hunter helmet. I think that'd be a great look for the beach. I'll I'll do Hoth Leia. That just looks <laughs> <Yeah>. so cozy. <laughs> Yeah. What's up with your Star Wars life right now, Alex? Yeah. Just finished Aftermath. Maybe oh my god, you did it. 20 minutes You did ago. it before Comic-Con. <laughs> you like, right? 20 minutes before Comic-Con. 20 like, minutes before Comic-Con. Comic-Con well, it was, I had about 100 pages left, so I was like, you know what? I want to finally finish the book, and I'm really glad I did. Um, Remind our listeners what Aftermath is about. Aftermath, it's a series of three books. It takes place pretty much right after Return of the Jedi. It's the... Uh, the Empire's Last Stand. So it culminates to the Battle of Jakku. I won't say more than that because there's some really cool things that happen in it. Definitely worth reading all three books. Um, it leaves you, it definitely leaves you wanting more. Oh. So. Three books sounds like a lot. There's not a lot of these series in the new canon, right? This is one the, of the only. I think this might be ones. the only one. I think Thrawn might be the next kind of series, but even that, I think that one time jumps. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I know that. The f- I think the first one is before Rebels, and that like it's it's like way before Rebels, and then I think the one that's coming out Alliances. I think that one is during it. Yeah, and so, I think so. Aftermath is like ABC. One, the next one picks up right after the other one. Oh. Uh, I think so. I haven't had a chance to read the synopsis of those yet. Um, Aftermath. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about the other ones. Uh, so Aftermath takes place. I want to say a few years after Return of the Jedi. Okay. Um, actually, the very the very first book they have these little inner stories in between the chapters, and the very first thing that you read, it's uh, the scene from Return of the Jedi, the special edition, where they show Coruscant cheering and partying oh, now yeah. that the Empire's fallen. It takes place like two seconds after that scene, and it starts with the Empire cracking down on all those people having the party. That's great. I think it's we've really mentioned that cool. before. That's a really cool place to pick up a book. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good series. Very cool. I've been so bad with my reading. I still haven't finished Lost Stars. I'm yeah, hoping to do that on the beach. I haven't next finished week. Last Shot. I read a little more recently, or listened to a little more recently, and then I haven't. And then I also have um, Volume Two of uh, the new Vader sitting there, and I read the first issue. I was like, oh, this is so good, and then I haven't picked it up. Yeah, I'm going to be ordering a bunch of the comic books today, so I have something to read on my way to Comic-Con. Yeah. So I'll finally be able to finish well, yeah, the first Vader series. yeah, because you're taking a train, right? Yeah, we're it's taking the train fun. down there. Yeah. How romantic. Comics on the train. How it's romantic. lovely. Comics on the train. Trains and little bottles of wine. <laughs> nice, yes. I love the little wines, yes. Um, the only, like, main Star Wars-y thing, I watched Last Jedi again, because it just came out on Netflix. Nice. Um, and I've been kind of like just putting it on as 
background. I recently posted to the, our Twitter um, a breakdown of the hyperspace destruction, you know, Admiral Haldo scene. Mm. Um, and so, like that scene, much of the movie is really just a pretty background to, ha- to have on in your apartment if you're, like, listening to music or do other things. That's a gorgeous movie. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you want to revisit that, it's streaming now on Netflix. Yeah. That's cool. Probably won't be there very long, so get it while it's hot. Yeah, I wonder when they're actually <laughs> going to start pulling all of this stuff. Um, I think probably... Probably not until they get really close to launching the streaming service, and I don't imagine them... It doesn't even launch till next year. Yeah, I don't think you'll be seeing that this year at all. So I, I imagine D23 is when they'll have all the deets on it, and you... Pr- so maybe... Actually, maybe you got probably a year and a half, probably. Mm-hmm. Because you think it. what they want is just people to be immersed in Star Wars all the time, so they probably don't want to have a dark period where people can't access their yeah. their content. We'll see. Interesting. What about you, Josh? What's your Star Wars life like right now? Whew. Um, not a lot, like I said. I did play a bunch of Battlefront recently because I was like, you know, I played it a little since, or at least I tried to play it a little since uh, they did all the changes to the microtransactions and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but I I've been I mostly play on PC and I wasn't able to get into a game, which is super weird. Like games would get mostly full and it would be like needs four more people and then all of a sudden it'd be like five more people, seven more people, ten oh. more people, and you're like, damn it. So like I couldn't get in a game, but I guess recently more people have been playing. So I played a bunch the other day and that game's really fun. It's still Yeah, it is super so good. good. It's really pretty. It's super fun to run around. Yeah, I like the new like quest system. I like that they have all these skins for you to like grind for. Some of which are super cool. I I desperately want the uh, young Han Corellia skin, but it's like eighty thousand credits. So I'm like, <laughs> oh god, I'm at like fifteen k right now. So you'll get I there. Just, uh, the only question I have is like, how do I get crates now? Because I don't have crates. You know what I mean? Like, you used to be able to buy them with credits, and now you can't. And some of the stuff is like, oh, you get it in crates, but I don't know how to get them. I don't know. I haven't played the multiplayer in months. I've oh, really? revisited the story uh, recently, oh, gotcha. but I haven't gotten back and played the online play for a while, so I don't know. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, they on- they really fixed a lot of stuff about the online play that I'm... I'm planning on diving back in once those new maps are out. Cause those look yeah, cool. which uh, we'll talk about pretty soon in the uh, in the upcoming news segment. But mm-hmm. that's kind of it. I haven't really done much. Like I listened to a little bit more of Last Shot, but I I'm still only like a third through it and just haven't uh, haven't really like committed um, to it at all. So um, should we plug our uh, Comic Con scavenger hunt? Real yes, quick? we should. Yeah, Alex, so, uh, tell them the deets. If you're going to Comic-Con, which is coming up in a few weeks, it's coming up real fast, make sure that you're following us on Instagram. Our Instagram, which we uh, just relaunched, it's at LTA underscore radio. We'll be posting our prize drop. So at least once a day, we'll have some goodies in a, in a bag, and we're going to hide them somewhere in San Diego around the convention center. Now, this year it's on D- at San Diego, they're creating uh, larger areas that are going to be badge only, so we make sh- we'll make sure that we're dropping things in both uh, public access areas, but also areas that are for attendees only to make it a little more fair. Yeah. But we're going to have trading cards, action figures, our stickers, our patches, 
we're still gathering all the goodies but make sure that you follow us on instagram and we'll try to also cross post on twitter and on facebook as well yeah and we're gonna um go and get some actual like uh like official trading cards and Mm -hmm. other things to to pop around the convention so there are lots of goodies so look look around for it yeah if you like free star wars stuff all you have to do is just you know follow us you'll we'll say hey we dropped this bag of whatever it's behind this tree come get it and it's yours that easy yep it's gonna be good super time. fun i'm yeah. jealous i want to play <laughs> <laughs> oh we did that at celebration anaheim with some patches and we had a lot of fun because we would have people posting on our instagram being like where are you dropping today and we're like oh we can't tell you yet and we hide them all over the convention center and we'd meet people and it, it was fun so we're hoping that this will work out pretty well at san diego nice so cool such a great idea yeah this should be really cool i'm very excited even though i have to work the whole time i'm very excited about comic-con um i have not been in years so uh, it's changed yeah <laughs> it's it's changed and they're they're changing it a little bit this year with a lot of the off-sites and the, the ground plan is changing a bit again they're making areas especially in front of the convention center and behind it like the actual sidewalks uh-huh. you have to have a badge to access really more security this you know year than that's past, probably for the nice. best though it it really is it really is like anybody could just walk up to wherever have i ever told you about the guy that got stabbed when we were waiting for avatar Whoa. <laughs> this made a, a sharp right turn but no no you haven't uh like one of the years we went we didn't see it happen but like they were letting people into hall h and we were like maybe in that final line and they stopped for a long time and then we heard that some dude had stabbed some guy oh goodness uh, gracious sounds about right uh and i was like oh i guess it's <laughs> comic-con you know it's like <laughs> <laughs> which so everyone of- be careful when they go please goodness gracious yeah be careful yeah. there's gonna be i think what they say on uh, estimated a hundred thousand people just you know with badges so think about all the offsites and all the other people that randomly come. So there's gonna be a lot of people. So if you're there, just keep an eye out, be safe. Yeah. Watch each other's backs. Don't be a jerk. Don't cut lines. Yeah. Be kind. Um, be kind. Rewind. Find patches. Find <laughs> and and cool stuff. But uh, for for Comic Con, because they're still announcing all the exclusives, our next episode I'll have a rundown of all the Star Wars exclusives, and we're gonna mention in our news today a little bit about how you can get some of them because you need to actually start working towards them at this moment. Yeah. Yeah, because the, the way they do it now, right, if, correct me if I'm wrong, is a lot of them will, you pre-order them ahead of time. Well, they've actually changed uh, some of the exclusives, so uh, I'll, I'll talk about it in the news. It's, it's, okay. it's, it's a little, it's, it's a big enough difference where it's going to take some time to talk about. Yeah, okay, well, we'll do that then. All right, well, uh, if everybody's ready for our topic of the show, we can get into that. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Once again, listeners, you're listening to Long Time Ago Radio. Whether from the class of 77 or Han Solo was your first Star Wars film, you're welcome here and now on with the show. They want a wonder. We have a fun topic today. Uh, it's probably going to get super heated. No, I don't imagine it's going to get very heated at all. <laughs> uh, we had announced this on Twitter a couple weeks ago and then had to pull back and do some other episodes just based on scheduling conflicts and then other things that came up that we wanted to talk about. So we're finally getting around to it. We are going to talk about whether or not Star Wars is more science fiction than fantasy or vice versa. 
or whether it's just a blending of the both, even though we know that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> Say spoiler alert. The answer is it doesn't fit neatly yeah, into any category. We're going to talk about why it's sort of unique in its approach to science fantasy, because not every... Obviously, there's been a lot of science fantasy since it. Um, and even even though there's been a lot, I'd still say it's a pretty underserved genre. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, none of them seem to have the depth and uh, cultural impact that Star Wars has, which sort of I, makes it special. For sure. I think the closest thing that you're seeing to that melding is probably like superhero type movies, you know, yeah. where especially the ones that are based more in like a gritty world. Um you know, the reality is Superman makes sense from his planet that he can fly and stuff, but is that science or is that fantasy? It's it's sometimes hard to draw those lines. I think Star Wars has always interested me more so than... I'm not a super, like, high fantasy fan. Like, when it gets a lot into wizards and dragons, your Lord of the Ringsy stuff, I find it hard to place myself in it. Huh? Um I love the stories, and I love the world building. I mean, it's all love. But in terms of why I think I've gravitated more to Star Wars is that I find that because it's rooted in, in mechanisms and trying to get the hyperdrive to work, and, you know, it, it's... I think in the very opening lines it says it. It's not in a mystical world beyond your imagination. It's in a, you know, galaxy far away a long time ago, but it's still within our universe. That's how I kind of see it. Um, mm-hmm. you know there's not much that goes unexplained um, whereas you know something like Lord of the Rings I feel like it's all about the lore it's yeah. all about the magic it's all about these forces that you can't control um, so from like a you know a very broad perspective I could see how you know one is strictly fantasy and one is strictly sci-fi but clearly the force is probably the most mystical part right. of star Wars. Um, and that would scream fantasy, but as you were recently doing, I think you said you're working on a video essay on it. The concept of midi chlorians kind of made it a little bit more specific. Yeah. Um, funny enough, like funny enough though, I would now after making this video, I would argue that midi chlorians are, are just as much science fantasy as they are as star wars is to like the blending of both genres but i don't necessarily want to spoil the video because i think it's super good oh we don't want to get it's into pretty that much territory. it's pretty much done it's just waiting to come out sure Will you give us like a hot topics on the midichlorians because obviously on like one of the most hotly debated issues of the prequels right um giving a science-ish uh, specific background to the nature of the force uh, ruffled people the wrong way. I think sort of the I, the entire idea of them is to sort of um, show you or, or present this idea that uh, we are we all live symbi- uh, symbiotically. I always want to say symbolically, symbiotically <laughs> with nature, um, in the way that like you you're made up of just tons of bacteria and all the bacteria in your gut, you know, control mm. your emotions and like all these things, <laughs> and so. Um, it's sort of like a, a based on that is, is the idea. Like, like midi chlorians are part of nature and they're a part of us, and like that's our connection to it and the larger force and all that. Sort of the idea. Sure. Um, so it has you- some sciencey stuff to it, but it's again like 
very uh, fantasy, uh, very spiritual Well, I think that's based. totally sci-fi. I feel like, you know, the current concept of energy when they first said it is very vague and religious. But, like, they're not tapping into... You know, it's funny. It reminds me, I'm, I watched Doctor Strange recently. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a similar idea, is that while it clearly looks like they're doing, quote-unquote, magic... Um, the way that Tilda Swinton explains it is like, you know, it's science. We're using energy, we're pulling it from a different dimension, and we're doing what, you know, normal people would view as magic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how I view the force. Like, the ener- energy is real. Energy is like electricity. Energy is, you know, it's something you can measure. Um, and they're able to harness that energy in a way that I think is more... Um, technical than it is spiritual even though it takes a calm spirit to access it um that's how i've always viewed it um but clearly we all say space wizards you know right (laughs) um what about you alex what did you think when midichlorians were first talked about and how do you view the force Hmm. Uh, the, fir- oh, the first time we heard the midichlorians, I mean, I was a kid, so to me I was like, oh, okay, that's that's interesting, and I didn't really think much about it, but now as an adult, you kind of start to see, I could see where people would get rubbed the wrong way with it, where it explains the one kind of mystical part of the Star Wars universe, but at the same time, it, it the way I always kind of saw it was midichlorians were a way for the Jedi Knights to kind of step away from that wizardy idea and try to explain more about the world around them. Mm-hmm. And by doing that, they kind of distanced distance themselves from really connecting with the Force. And now it became something measurable that you could either give or take. You know, it became a commodity versus what it was supposed to be. Mm. So for me, it's always been kind of like this middle ground. I've never really... I mean, I, I get it. I get why people don't like it, but I've never had an issue with it. Because to yeah. me, there's I've, I've kind of figured an in-world universe explanation for why it's there. Yeah. I, I honestly felt that way i was on the middle ground of it until i did all the research for this video now i'm a staunch defender of it uh, <laughs> we need to get you a shirt my boss who is a uh yeah the staunch defender of midi chlorians uh i should have a sign at celebration midi chlorians don't break the force fight me <laughs> tell me i'm wrong yeah that's your whole booth <laughs> um I my boss is also a big Star Wars fan and I showed him the video and he said he was convinced by it. So well, there you go. I was like, I did it. <laughs> um, it's funny though because obviously many Chlorians don't explain the Force. No, you know, it's not like it doesn't explain how a Force ghost can exist. And I feel like obviously there are these elements that are very fantasy-esque, but even to me, they're not as much fantasy as they are almost fever dream. Like, I feel like some of the more fantasy elements are more heady than they are magical. Like, like in The Last Jedi, when Rey has that experience in the cave, um, same with Luke in the, you know, uh, Empire Strikes Back, his experience in the cave. I don't see those moments as being magical. I, I see them as being more like, you know, a yogi who goes on a spiritual walk in his yurt is, you know, munching on some mushrooms kind of magic. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. an inner deep dive rather than some sort of weird mystical, um, you know, spirit taking over their, their body and showing them, you know, special stuff. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. You know. I... But it's... 
You, you can go ahead. <laughs> uh, it technically falls into the genre space opera. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's how I, I've always seen it as a space it opera. Just like this, I, like... I always thought space opera just meant something in space. Like, I, I didn't think it meant, like, science fantasy. Well, I think it's more... So, the thing about what I find sci-fi is interesting is that I don't necessarily think it... You, it can exist wholly on its own. I think you have a sci-fi drama or a um, sci-fi horror film like Alien. Alien mm. is a horror film, but it's also a science fiction film. But can you say because there's this weird creature, it's fantasy because it's a crazy mystical f- creature that we couldn't imagine on Earth? Like, so I have a definition of science fantasy I pulled up. Uh, great. It's obviously it's Wikipedia, so whatever. Boo. But Webster. <laughs> They, they're. I didn't see any like Webster ones. I see TV trope and stuff. It's not like according as long to as you whatever. Cite your source, not you're an okay. official, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, it says science fantasy is a mixed genre within the umbrella of speculative fiction, which simultaneously mm-hmm. draws upon and/or combines tropes and elements from both science fiction and fantasy. Um, in science fiction. In a science fiction story, the world is scientifically possible, while a science fantasy world contains elements which violate the scientific laws of the real world. See, and I think, like you mentioned Alien, I think in a way you can say that is science fantasy just because biologically, I don't know if that kind of thing could happen, so you kind of hit the fantasy thing. No, I would say that is science fiction because there are examples of like, you know cordyceps mushrooms and stuff that well what about okay prometheus know. like the prometheus movie like that i goes didn't really... i didn't watch prometheus so, I so don't prometheus know. goes way into like crazy lore and all this stuff and that i would say well, mixed with the alien movies is fantasy but you look at 2001 a space odyssey right and that's straight science fiction though that's psychological science fiction that is science, like, yeah but i don't think I there's think... that like mystical crazy like beyond what our realm could be Right. And I think the most, the thing about Star Wars is if you take, if you look at just the first film, right, we don't really have force ghosts, right? We're ba- we barely have the force. Mm-hmm. The force is just concentrating really hard. You know, like when he focuses, he can hit the like training droid. And when he focuses, he can, you know, get the ball in the hole at the end. You know, like (laughs) it's not crazy magic. And even throughout the first original series, it's not. It's, you know, lifting, you know, stuff here and there. Um, And I feel like that's much more of a storytelling convention that has to do with, I don't know, it's not it doesn't seem fantastical to me as much as it feels someone being really in tune with themselves like oh gosh like if you look like at monks they're not really people who worship gods like buddhism is not very much about the afterlife it's very much about being in the present life and achieving nirvana which you know then ends the cycle but um i don't know there's something a little less obviously it's not hard sci-fi you know we don't no. know how you know, space travel works. And I think Neil deGrasse Titan, uh, what was his name? Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. Tyson like loves getting off on disproving all the science <laughs> of star Wars. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not arguing that it's like sci-fi, but to say that like the mechanical world of star Wars isn't a huge part of that world is wrong. Like, Oh no, Alex, it's definitely a whole part of the world. I mean, Darth Vader, like a Darth yeah. Vader, he represents, you know, the physical and the technological in one character. 
then mm-hmm. there's that like little peppering of even though he's robot he still has that like fantasy about him and that's the the space wizard forceness yeah sometimes so fantasy it's, it's just means like you know uh like whimsical or or like exciting or you know like it it, it doesn't necessarily mean like elves and swords well, I think, right. I think you can bring up, too, is that when you watch Lord of the Rings or you read the books, the wizards and the magic that happens there, there's really no source for it. There's just these powers that are. Yeah. When right. you look at Star Wars, the Force as a living energy has, like, a goal to to further life. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, the, the way that Yoda sees it when he's talking to the, the different, what was it, like, the six versions of the Force representation, like, it's furthering its own purpose of, of life versus... Right here I'm going to make a, a dragon disappear. Like, yeah. There's well, no reasoning behind it. Well, I think the funny thing that makes it really clear to me is like when you're in fantasy, there's no explanation about why someone's magical. There's no explanation about why... Sometimes there is, and, but, of, but it's sure. usually like because some god Lightning. did this or, you know... Something you like don't that. need it. It's not required. But no. when the first time we bring up the force, he goes, what's the force? And he's like, it's an energy field. <laughs> like, it's not like it is the God's divine intervention that keeps our souls entwined. No, it is, a, it is an energy field that literally binds us together. Like, I find that very specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's like Ray had that same thing. She's like, oh, it's this magical force that I can use to move rocks and stuff. And he's like, yeah. no, <laughs> it's not. That's not what it is at all. Right. Um, I have a de- uh, Cambridge Dictionary, a more uh, yes, accurate. Their, their definition of fantasy is just fantasy is imaginative literature, often set in strange places with unusual characters and the use of magic. So yeah. technically, you could argue Star Wars is a fantasy movie, you know, you, in you, some sense, because uh, it is it in totally a strange is. place with unusual characters. I mean, these these definitions are so broad, which is why it's always funny to see people actually argue about them because they're evolving as storytelling evolves. But I I was pretty much firmly in my camp of like, you can explain everything in Star Wars and that's why I like it. But then you brought up the Night Sisters and I was like, crap, that's like magic. Yeah. They even call it the Night Sisters magic at some point. And people debate like, but is it part of the force? And like, no one really knows. No, it is part of the force. They're manipulating the force. That's kind of like their whole deal. And I always saw them as kind of like a take on like voodoo women. Yeah. Like people who were kind of tucked away in the bayou or something who had kind of figured out how to do spells using like chemicals from plants and stuff, but they call it magic. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's like what differentiates the Night Sisters' use of the force as magic versus like the Bendu becoming a giant cloud. Ultimately, they're using some sort of energy out there for their own purpose and it's the force it's this energy that again binds everyone together they're just yeah. using it differently so there is like an actual uh canon wikipedia article for magic oh okay great uh it says and it's magic with a with a k also at the end of it oh. uh, Fancy it magic. says magic was a supernatural technique that allowed a practitioner to wield great powers connected to the dark side of the force okay what's so the- What's the source for that? And then uh, uh, someone in Star Wars Uprising, which I think is a game, yes, says, and I think it's a, it's a Night Sister, it says, uh, magic is a living thing. It arises from blood and trees and mist. It yeah. flows through your veins already, but we will reshape you to channel it. Or whatever. That's the force. Yeah. 
But it's interesting that they call it magic. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's almost... I don't know. I, I always see them as, like, they've dubbed themselves as witches. They they channel it as, like, this green thing. They make themselves look all funny. They're kind of playing into their own image to kind of create this fear, you know? Well, it's, um, their, it's their culture. The Jedi have their culture. The Night Sisters right. have their culture, too. Right. Mm-hmm. I would say, like, I wish, I wish there was a... And like you said, the uniqueness of it. It's almost more like a religious-based, like, fantasy. Where it's not about gods but it's about these cult people who use like their belief and their training i guess kind of like ninjas but they're not really pr- like no one's praying to anything but the force itself um but are they know. even praying to it or are they just well i think there are references to gods in star wars but i don't think we've gotten deep into that well we could talk about wh- who are the three the father the the daughter and the brother like oh the mortis uh, family the mortis family because like yeah we have trippy sequences i mean you know obviously rebels the last couple episodes of rebels all seems very fantastical with slipping through dimensions and traveling through time um you know not all of that is as easily explained as like oh i just switched out i just bypassed the compressor like you know yeah they they make time they make light speed and stuff very mechanical and physical um but even i think the time jumping they did in a really cool way to where they're seeing all these portals but it wasn't on a flat plane you had areas where it would curve on itself so you know how they talk about time and all that space and time is a curve and you can jump from one place to another they're describing those jumps between these folds in time as the force so it's just it's cool it's isn't it it's it's fun so like like doctor who is that fantasy in the, yes. in the classical yes. sense, yes. Okay. I wouldn't say I th- it's science fiction, though. Well, no, you can't say that either, because you have that in there, too. I think the thing about Star Wars that just feels so science fiction-y to me is the fact that it, aside from the Force, it is set in our galaxy. Like, the struggles they have are about fascism or democracy. Like, these are very much Earth concepts, you know? Um politics and senate and you know mechanics and cooks it's all very based in our physical mechanical world and it's just the jedi and the force that are kind of this extra thing and it's not like the it's not like the movie is about the tech but i would argue for the original trilogy it's more about tech than it is about the force you know with this this army doing this battle like these people you know firing guns at each other like that is much more on display even the lightsabers all of that's much more on display than any sort of magic and i think that has to do with the fact that you have in the prequel trilogy the the greater presence of the jedi so you had that greater connection to the magic mm-hmm. whereas in later on palpatine's really the only person that's harnessed it or or who's still allowed to use it in a way so right. his his way of keeping everyone in control is that technology is that science fiction yeah I would say, considering what the most recent... Th- I mean, if you look at Solo, for example, like, th- is there anything in there that's, like, fantastical? Like, that's... Not if that really. was said, like, Not set really, in the future, yeah. yeah, that's, like, a pure action... Rogue One. Rogue One, yeah. Well, there's Force use of the... In, uh, yeah, Rogue Vader one. at the end is... A Vader, badass. but I don't think he uses the... Oh, he uses the Force to put that one guy up on the ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was a... Oh, God, that scene's just... 
Beautiful. But he didn't just pull the 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 plans back to his hand. Alex is a dumb movie. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, do people make that argument? Yeah. Oh people. <laughs> oh people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say that if you wanted to ha- make this argument, you'd have better ground to stand on in like the '80s than you did now. Because solo aside, the last like Star Wars thing we saw was the last season of Rebels, and if you contrast kind of the inexplicable force nature of that last series of Everbless episodes with A New Hope, they almost do feel like two different genres of TV show. Mm. Uh, um, which just shows how much it's kind of grown, the lore of it all. Yeah. Um, I also have a definition for science fiction. Do it. Everything. it says, fiction based on imagined future scientific or technological advances and major societal or environmental changes frequently portraying space or time travel and life on other planets. There you go. So future, imagined, uh, <coughs> fiction based on imagined future scientific or technological advantage. How about imagined pasts? Yeah, that's the that's the thing. <laughs> well, I have, I have a question for you guys because we're talking about the difference between, you know, science fiction and then fantasy and then how they commingle. If you look at Star Wars versus Star Trek, I think the biggest thing that you have as a difference is that force idea, that that mystical part. So is there anything else between, like, would you say Star Trek is science fantasy? Or would you just say it's a science fiction? No, like, I would is there just call that fantasy hard about science it? fiction. Whereas I would call, like, Lord of the Rings hard fantasy. high fantasy or yeah. whatever. Or high fantasy, I think, is the I think it's high fantasy, yeah. Term. But, like, I would call that, like, hard fantasy. Yeah, I think... The, the, it, a good way, I think, to look at it genre-wise is where is the story coming out of? And I think that's why, if I had to come down on a, on a category, like space opera makes the more sense, most sense. Because while I think this is a movie that takes more from the real world and science and kind of Western culture, um, you know, and our political problems... Um, you know, it's really more of a story about people <laughs> more than anything else. And it, the drama comes out of their interpersonal kind of melodrama. Um, so I feel like more than anything else, the story in the relationships is, especially in the original trilogy, is the most thing. And that's why I'm leaning towards, like, it's a space opera. Right. You know, and all the other elements are used to kind of George justify... George even said as much. Yeah. Like, I think, the, I think the force is used to justify elements of the emotional story mm-hmm. whereas the science fiction i think more explains that the world that you're in mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't know it's very fascinating i think maybe that's one of the reasons i gravitated to it so as a I, kid is that it doesn't fit into a i box. have this nice book from my employer called james cameron's the story of science fiction oh did we talk about good, that last episode a, yeah we did <laughs> uh. so and i have a copy uh there's a really good quote about this topic from George himself. The man himself. Um, Can you read it like him? In his voice? There's no sound (laughs) in space. Uh, (laughs) He says, he points out, this is kind of a long quote, so here we go. He says, I made Star Wars for kids, and we'll get get there. (laughs) Made Star Wars for kids. It appeals to everybody, but it was still made for 12-year-olds. But don't en- underestimate 12-year-olds. They're smarter. Yes. They're smarter than the rest of us. Don't think you're going to talk down to them. They get stuff much faster than you do. The whole point was to allow them to think outside the box. 
everyone's going to say there's no sound in space tell them to go to hell in my yes! World, <laughs> in, yes in my world in my space you have sound who said wookies can't fly i decided they can fly think outside the box no matter what someone tells you what you've learned throw it all away and say i can do anything i want to do i have a fantasy world it's not science it's fantasy therefore you can do anything you can bend the rules you're you're in a completely different universe and you can enjoy that and come up with really crazy stuff it's fun and then he continues saying star wars was more fantasy than it is science fiction it has elements of science in it but the elements of science are things that i said i'm not going to obey the rules i lived by the theme if you can imagine it you can do it can this be like a disclaimer in front of all the new Star Wars movies so people don't get right? butt hurt? I'm well, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah it, was ma- I... it appeals to everybody, but it's for 12-year-olds. But also don't underestimate 12-year-olds. <laughs> I love that. But like yeah. the idea that, yeah, he could do... I mean, that's the thing. If it is a pure fantasy, which it's not, but it, since it is a fantasy in his mind, like then stop complaining about anything making sense. Because it, yeah. And that's kind of where I was going with, like, I feel like all the weird elements are... It's, it's coming out of the emotional story. It doesn't have to make logical sense. Um, it's, a, it's, an, it's a way to express what these characters are going through. It's a way to heighten the drama, um, these kind of moments that defy explanation. Yeah. I, I also think that, yeah, um, I think a lot of why he put it in space in general was not only because he, you know, he loved Flash Gordon and all that stuff, but also um, I had there was a great joseph campbell quote about he was talking about star wars funny enough and he said that like he found it interesting that it was in space because it was the same stories that we'd been telling for thousands of years but he said but it also makes sense because uh in our current world and this was when he was alive like in the 80s he's like in our current world we've pretty much explored all of the earth like there's nothing and and that's a generalization obviously but like he's like there's nothing like out there that we haven't seen you know there's nothing like uncharted really left uh so what is the next uncharted landscape where the imagination would fling itself and he's like obviously it would be space so it only it only makes sense that like the stories we have told about exploring over that you know mountain just above the village would evolve into like what is out in space the one place where we haven't gone very far yet and i don't know i find that interesting in a way sort of ties back to the whole fantasy yeah i think the the funny thing about hearing anytime george lucas talks about his own work well number one is how annoyed he sounds like (laughs) why would you ask me that (laughs) Because <laughs> um, it's like, gosh, he just wrote his thing. Like, everyone, relax and either enjoy it or not. But, um, you know, it, it's just so interesting, though, on top of that, how much we interpret what we're seeing as viewers. Like, he's creating his own genre, kind of. Um, and we come in with all these preconceptions about the genres that we know and what we expect to see based on seeing things like The Force or Light Speed, you know. You know, a lot of people were thinking Star Trek when they saw, you know, these spaceships, you know, and it's hard to put our own biases of the genres that we're used to and the characters behaving in those genres the way they're supposed to. It's hard to put that aside when we are seeing something new that's coming from an individual's mind. Yeah. Um, There's this need to categorize it. For sure. Um, 
I don't know if I have much else to say on this topic. I mean, I don't think really it matters at the end of the day, but I think it's interesting to discuss. Like, at the end of the day, like, Star Wars almost is kind of its own thing. Yeah, and I think a, a lot of genres, like you said, have taken from Star Wars. For sure. Um, like, like I said, a lot of the, the, the newer kind of superhero-esque movies, not necessarily the Marvel ones, but um, you're seeing a lot of things set in space, but that do put an emphasis on the ships and the armor and the guns, you know, yeah. but at the same time have these extra kind of weird otherworldly elements. I, it's funny you bring up superheroes because I was having a discussion with someone the other day where I was like, personally, to me, I feel that Marvel is more science fiction and DC is more fantasy. And it's which all is, just a which jumble is tricky because <laughs> Batman, yeah. Batman is very science fiction, though. Batman is like it's, it's sure, no but you're not necessarily like. But Batman's also not necessarily like a futuristic character, if that makes sense. Like you feel like he no, could but, exist. But I think it's, what's hard is that you can with specific superheroes, like you said, Batman is very science fictiony. But then you start pulling in characters like the like Martian Manhunter, or you start going to Marvel Thanos. Just you yeah. start, it gets it's easy to Wonder Woman. Start, Wonder Woman, right? There's a perfect example. Wonder Woman. Um, She's complete fantasy, She's like complete 100% fantasy. fantasy. But once you start Whereas Batman's the... 100% science fiction, exactly. yeah. <laughs> but once you start or Green Lantern is 100% like science fiction. But it has like a tinge of fantasy in it, but it's yeah. mostly science fiction. I think it's hard once you start yeah. putting the characters in the same world versus their own yeah. stories. What I appreciate regardless of it all is consistency and and a, a thought process behind you know the fact that they are setting rules as they go and that's what i appreciate star wars for like if there's sound in space then there's going to be sound in space like we're creating these rules and they may not be rules that you are familiar with but we're going to pay attention to them and stick to them and you know there's never something that i've seen so far in star wars where i'm like well that doesn't fit that doesn't look at all like star wars because i feel like they do a good job staying within the rules of the world that they've created yeah I wish there were more uh, Twi'leks around, but, you know. I'm just saying. <laughs> Something happened to them. There was a Something big happened Twi'lek. to them on Ryloth. Oh, poor Something Ryloth. Happened. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah, I think, we, I think we had some interesting things to say about. So, and if anyone so we wants agree to reach that... out, I was just going to say, if anyone wants to reach out with recommendations of more novels or movies that have the same kind of combo effect, please do, because yeah. I like this genre mix i will Go say ahead. destiny it has a very good is a very good example of science fantasy oh cool um but it's but it's weird because it also takes place in our world but it mm-hmm. pivots like, right like it was our world until a distinct moment like Ooh. in the world's lore terminated where it changed into like having magic and monsters and things well like mass effect is one of my favorite like that too world futures because what seem to be gods are actually just these people from the past but it's interpreted as a godlike thing it's a cool mixing it well that's what i think like old technologies as time pass i think can can seem more fantasy than science fiction because you add lore onto it and it becomes mystical you know yeah this is going to go completely off track real quick but what about stranger things Ooh, stranger things science fiction Science fiction, I would because it's I a whole parallel universe fiction. type deal. There's no really like. Yeah, it's definitely America with weird science government yeah. dudes. Like I could see that 
story or like any moment from that show being on the cover of you know one of those old pulp magazines or something but, yeah. at, the, but at the same time it's funny because they combine it the kids do with playing like a Dungeons, Dungeons and Dragons, and Dragons game. Yeah. it's kind of a cool shout out to that concept of you know monsters you know might look like some sort of magical being but what, in fact what even are genres am I right uh, well <laughs> I, I think, think we on, can all I think yeah. we can all agree though that Star Wars is a historical document correct yeah oh, yes Okay. Yeah. yeah. Totally accurate. Uh, technically, it, it know, starts with ago. a long time ago in a galaxy <laughs> far, far away. Their it's transmissions true. were barely getting now. George Lucas <laughs> didn't make them. He just wore a tinfoil hat, recorded what he got on his VHS player, and showing it to us. Can you well, imagine being in a bunker and seeing those movies and thinking that it was actually a historical document? And that would be a person I would not want to meet. Have I'm you sorry. seen the movie Galaxy Quest? Oh yes, I love Galaxy Quest. Just saying, that's that's, that's the entire premise. Ah. <laughs> uh, what a great movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, um, it's a good movie. I, I think my closing thing was like, I think at the end of the day, we've discovered that genres are just kind of a arbitrary bucket to throw stories in mm-hmm. because they have tropes and ideas, but that doesn't necessarily stop people from mixing them and mix. And people, I guess have mixed them so much that we have a hard time even defining what certain things are. Um, yeah at the end of the day which is why we have so many different freaking genres like heroic fantasy sword and sorcery low fantasy which i have no idea what that is i'm gonna click that high, <laughs> high fantasy historical fantasy which Quest is like fantasy king arthur is and all that, that yeah fun. like there's so much what is low fan low fantasy is a subgenre where magical events intrude on an otherwise normal world oh that's interesting so harry potter is low fantasy no, I'd say why, maybe. What like, do you? Why wouldn't it be? It's <laughs> a subgenre it's, of fantasy fiction where magical events intrude on an otherwise normal world. Well, because I think there's parallel worlds. It's not like magic is popping up, and then regular people are like, "Whoa, what's this magic thing?" It's like the world is already inherently magical. We just can't see it. We're blind to it. I'd well, say I maybe. Oh, maybe I don't know it feels that. like if maybe if there's like one wand. Oh, you know what would be a good one? Um, was it? No, we called. Was it Bright? The one on Netflix with Will Smith. Did you guys see that? I have not seen no. that. No. It, it takes place in a world with uh, orcs and elves and all that, and it's, I, I would say that's low fantasy because it's within our world, but it's just a little bit of fantasy. It's still very like realistic. How about like Matilda? Yes. Where nothing else is magical except for her. You know what's yes. funny? Uh, I, there's a, examples of low fantasy, and one of them is the Indian in the cupboard. <laughs> yeah. I remember watching that movie a yeah. lot as a child. Oh, goodness gracious. I would have never thought about that ever again if you hadn't just said it. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Um, I also see it. Harry Potter fandom. Screw you. <laughs> it's just right there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also like this genre I'm seeing on the sci-fi side called speculative fiction, um, which is stuff like Handmaid's Tale and Brave New World in 1984. Yeah. History of the World Part 1, right? Stuff that's more about, like, less about advances in technology, more about the social issues Mm -hmm. and the changes that happen there. Like, it's cool. It's cool. Genre's cool. I like genre. Genre are... Genres are cool. Um, Genre are fun. Genre genre are cool. Uh... (laughs) That's the name of the episode. Yeah. Um, if that's it, we can go on to the news. Let's do it. All right. I have good news for you, my lord. 
Man, Whether you're from the class, no, I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> 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 Wait, hold on, hold on, ready? Yeah. All right. All right. Clap. We have the news. Oh God. Star Wars Rebels: The Complete Fourth Season arrives on Blu-ray and DVD July 31st. When are they going to stop putting things on DVD? Um, probably never. I like DVD. It, how long have Blu-rays been a thing? Like all, more than a decade, and they're still making DVDs. I think longer than we had DVDs. Oh, for sure. Like before Blu-rays. Um, but I've tried. I, every time I try to watch a DVD, it doesn't work. Like an old DVD from back really? in the day. Yeah, and they mm. always skip. Like. I, DVDs just like do they look bad? Like on current TVs, <laughs> they look awful. They just really do. And I mean, yeah. some I people probably don't care, but yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with the cost too. Yeah. Blu-rays are usually what four or five dollars more expensive, and that adds up. Yeah, and then eventually DVDs are like super cheap, whereas Blu-rays are almost never super cheap. Yeah. They're usually like. Still pretty expensive. But back VHS. Um, Alex, do you buy the actually seasons of the show? No, that's the one thing I haven't done, which I need to do. Um, I've been meaning to buy Clone Wars because mm-hmm. you, you never know. I mean, streaming is great, but you never know when something gets, can be pulled down and never come back. Like that's true. With yeah. all these new changes in the different streaming services, we may not have these things available to us, and I like to have physical copies of stuff. So, oh, Especially right. with, like, changing government rules, you never know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. Well, you, yeah. it'll be like you pay for a subscription here, and then all of a sudden, hey, that's gone. Now you pay more. So it's at, at yeah, some point, it's like... Yeah, you're an AT&T customer. You exactly. can't get this anymore. You might yeah. as well just spend the money now and just own it. So yeah. I'll get it like, at some point. like, special features and stuff. I would oh, like yeah. to check out. That's always bugged me, especially on Netflix, where you, they have movies on there, and there's no special features. And you look at the special they features. Should. They really they should. They should. But what's I, nice... I, that's a good I, I, I kind of want to buy Rebels. these just because of special feature. That's what we do because you don't get the documentaries like this, especially if you haven't been watching, uh, what do you call it, Rebels Recon. It's going to be on the DVDs. There's going to be special Easter eggs on there, and those are all things that you don't get when you stream it from, like, Disney Go. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good idea because I haven't watched much of Rebel Recon, and I'd, I'd like to get the disc and then, like, watch the Rebel Recons. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, they also have commentaries, tracks, and stuff. Which I love commentary. Those Me are fun. too. They're the best. Is Freddie Prince Jr. gonna do commentary? I love Freddie Prince Jr. It'd be uh, fun if him and Buffy were on see. it together from like last season, and that'd be super cute. Well, she died in season two, right? Okay, fine. Season two, whatever <laughs> season she was in. <laughs> um, That's super special. Sam Witwer had a funny quote about that because what Sam Witwer was in Buffy, right? I think he was. Was Sam Witwer in Bobby? I Puffy? think he mentioned that. He was a vampire. Yes, wait. Wait. Hold on. Maybe? His face is really Sam familiar Whit- to me. Or Buffy? I'm pretty Don't sure. Don't tell me. Okay, but we can keep going with the he, podcast. Uh, he, he was. <laughs> he played John Stoller or something I'm going like to have to find the exact episode. Um, I was a huge fan. Yeah, so he had a funny quote where he was like, uh, I'm the only vampire who got to kill Buffy because he plays Darth Maul. And Darth oh, there you go. Yeah. Little revenge. Yeah. Revenge um, of the Sith. Yeah, I'm looking here. I don't see any mention of the commentary tracks, but I assume that it has them like the other ones did. But I'm not sure. Doesn't say. Well, 
Very we'll find cool out. Yep. <laughs> we'll find out when we get it. Um, Star Wars The Clone Wars celebrates its 10-year anniversary with the San Diego Comic-Con panel, which I might try to get into, but I think I'm going to probably... I have to check my schedule. I might be working, like, a lot during that time. But uh, it is on Thursday, July 19th from 11.45 a.m. to 12.45 p.m. Uh, in room 6BCF. Freaking Comic-Con. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> so it's an hour-long panel. Um, it's going to have... Who's on it? I know Dave Filoni's there. Filoni's there for sure. I'm I think so far th- they've announced him and special guests. They haven't announced who else. No. Well, obviously, but like... They're saying actually Eckstein will probably be there since she's yeah. going to already be doing her uh, her universe booth. Well, then, so yeah, the she'll be there her. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So. I'm super jealous. I want to go. Yeah. Hopefully they like film it too, because that would be pretty cool to watch again. Um, they don't really talk about what they're going to talk about. I guess they're just going to look back on the show and all that. So They'll probably we'll say out. something about resistance. Someone will they? I would. Someone I, will ask a question. Yeah. When's resistance? <laughs> when are you guys bringing back the Clone Wars? <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Yeah, it's been ten years. When are you bringing it back, George? What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't me. Uh, new Battlefront Two Clone Wars content spread out over 2018. So, uh, Battlefront Two continues to get a bunch of free content. So, in the fall, there's going to be a new release of stuff. So, I'm guessing in September, probably, um, we're going to get Obi Wan Kenobi and General Grievous as new heroes. There'll cool. be a new large-scale mode, whatever that means. Uh, so another, like, probably 40-player kind of thing. Um, there will be new clone trooper appearances, thank God, because that's a thing people have been asking for. There'll be new hero appearances, and they're adding in the new squad system, which, thank God, because I hate the random squads. That's annoying the way it works in battlefield is like when you play with all your friends you can spawn on your friends yeah. when you die and you can't do that in battlefront i think they're adding that in so that'll be very cool um yeah if you haven't played the game in a while you should it's better now <laughs> um <laughs> i should also mention in now the, it's it is good now uh i should mention in the winter they're also adding anakin skywalker and count dooku and they'll be adding the planet geonosis more clone trooper appearances and more hero hero appearances. Cool. I like how they're sticking with this. Yeah. They uh, they should because it's a cool game and it could be even cooler. It's really pretty. Every time I it turn it on, pretty. I just jump around. I'm like, I'm in Star Wars. I just love the way they use the the soundtracks and the sound effects and everything. Yeah, it's beautiful. Like uh. I love when, like, you're getting close to winning and it's, the music starts, like, ramping yes! up and stuff. You're like, yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm a Star War. Yeah, I'm a war in the star. <laughs> Amy Henning has left Electronic Arts, says Star Wars game is on the shelf. That is... Uh, she responded to this story on Twitter. Did she? What'd she say? She's like, for the record, I left forever ago and... Oh, um, I, I see. I see it. Um... So, 
This happened last October. We actually did a special about it where they closed Visceral Games and they shut down the Star Wars game they were working on. Uh, shortly after that episode, a Kotaku article came out about like the history of that game from people at Visceral. They interviewed like tons of people about everything that happened. So originally, apparently, uh, what was happening was they were making a very smuggler-centric game. It was supposed to be very much like Assassin's Creed, but in space. Um, like Firefly-esque, but it was Star Wars game. Uh, and then eventually they started to pivot away from that into more Damn. of like a linear thing when, when Amy showed up and we're making a kind of like uncharted type game. However, the, the main issue was that Amy was used to working at one of the biggest studios in the world, Naughty Dog, who is known for creating miracles. Uh, and the people at Visceral were like, uh, we literally cannot do that. Like, we do not have the <laughs> talent or the budget to, like, do the things you're asking for. Like, apparently the the video, the only video that we saw of that game took them months to make. See, well, that's just um, sad. Yeah. So, but here's the thing. They apparently have three terabytes of assets created for the game. So when they closed the studio, they had moved the assets around to a different EA studio and were like, just make something with this. Mm. Like, make a game, right? So right now, there is a team uh, working on a Star Wars project at EA called Ragtag, using the leftover assets from these two games that did not come out, and making something, but we're not totally sure. The, the rumors that it'll be more open world, sort of like the original game concept was before... Amy came on board, but who just give knows? me something. Stop overthinking of it. Make a game. I know. Give it to me. It's crazy that like EA's had the license for this long and they've made two games. What is like? It's like, do you not want a billion dollars? Yeah. Do you hate money? <laughs> They're allergic. They do have uh, Jedi Fallen Order coming out next year. So, do you guys remember a game that they showed a preview to? in 2000 was it 2015 where it's a guy and like a desert planet and there's a bunch yeah that of was this game <laughs> that's literally what, game? what we were talking uh, about because yeah. I, I remember seeing that and i haven't heard anything about it yeah okay. it got it's canceled it died it's because they canceled. killed it because they hate happiness and fun well they it's do. it's they couldn't i'll have to pull up the kotaku article and and send it to you guys because it is not only is it like just really fascinating um just how you know everything that happened to that game but like how different like just how some devs like don't gel with certain things and like how they get all these expectations put on them and they just can't do it you know i mean it's but. kind of an incredible thing i think about that with working in tv shows how you hire a bunch of people who have never worked together you put them in a room you expect them to work creatively together under a time crunch and create this thing where everybody has a shared vision and i can't even imagine how much more difficult that is with video games where you could go down the wrong hole for so much time before anyone can realize um yeah, I mean, it's actually shocking to me that more of these things don't blow up. But my problem with all of this is just give us whatever. Like, fine, make then, use your assets and make a two-hour game that's, like, Uncharted. Like, I just, I don't know why we can't see stuff. If it doesn't make a gajillion dollars, then, you know, maybe just give us a sample. Give us a playable teaser. Give us a taste. Yeah. yeah. Um... Why can't I play the demo that they made? I'm going to play it. I'll pay $10 to play that. I'm just so desperate for Apparently they didn't even have content. really a demo. <laughs> we sound they like had 
they had a slight like <laughs> slice of the game that they were having test you know people play and like they were co- it was coming back like negative pretty much can amy write a book about the story that she wrote mm. and like can i read that josh we're gonna be at comic-con some again that's what up. this kotaku article is about mm. so, some guys so can walk up to us that. and say hey you want you want a taste you know what I got, a, <laughs> I got a demo for you I got a star wars demo and he'll take out his switch which is just hanging in his jacket he'll hand you a controller we sound like so, addicts <laughs> well, I can just imagine a really cool coffee table book put together at this point, which is just games cool. of Star Wars that has not come so out I yet. I can read oh, yeah. some of what the original concept, before Amy came in, what the original game concept was. Because I was, after reading this, I was like, I much rather would have played that than what we were going to get. Uh, yeah, the Firefly thing you said sounded cool. Yeah, so it says, a month. Uh, this is after uh, LucasArts was shut down and they were like, Disney has the... It says, a month later in May 2013, the picture became clearer as EA announced that it had struck a deal with Disney, snagging the exclusive rights to release Star Wars games on consoles, not counting casual games like the LEGO series. In that announcement, EA said it would develop Star Wars games in three studios. Bioware, which is the older public, which they still develop. DICE, which is running Star Wars Battlefront. And Visceral, whose project remained a mystery. This was bad news for the pirate game. EA nervous about... Uh, the upcoming Assassin's Creed Black Flag that was coming from rival publisher Ubisoft in late 2013 and eager to take advantage of the Star Wars deal canceled some like their pirate game in favor of the new Star Wars game. They were making a game called Jamaica. Uh, Visceral called this project Yuma after the Arizona desert where Jabba's palace had been filmed in Star Wars 6 Return of the Jedi. The team then decided to keep the pirates but bring them to outer space pitching Yuma as a space scoundrel game in which players would explore the galaxy as Han so- as a Han Solo-like rogue. Quote, Sold. Yeah. Quote, it was going to be a, a hybrid between a liter- linear action shooter where if you were yes. on the ground, it's Tomb Raider. But, yes. But, but then in space, it's going to be like Black Flag, said one person who worked on the that project. That sounds amazing. Right? And it says... Uh, they added a second. You flew your Millennium Falcon-esque ship around, boarded other ships, raided pirates, got booty, that Yarr. kind of thing. I want to get that booty. As cool as it may have sounded, <laughs> Yuma was ill-fated from the start. Battlefield Hardline was going through too many problems, and zip zop zoop progress on Yuma slowed to a crawl <laughs> as Visceral asked all of its employees to help out on the cop game, as they called it. Uh, and then That's eventually Amy came in, and they just, like pivoted the entire thing and they're like yeah we're not going to do that anymore. so i know all these games are changing and everything and we haven't gotten a lot of games in the past what five years or not five years three years uh wait say right? that again I, and we haven't got we've gone what two games in the past few years with disney I mean, owning it yeah well, well yeah here's the thing disney owns it but what they did because shortly before they had gotten into this disney used to own an arm of game developers but they mm-hmm were not super successful in their but to be fair it was kind of their own fault like they they owned um they owned a studio that made primarily racing games gotcha. and the studio only made two games they made this like sort of off-road uh like motor storm kind of racing game um, that actually did okay it was it was marketed as like a $40 game that you would buy and it actually did decently like enough to where the studio could like make another game and they made 
arguably the greatest racing game of all time. I just say that because it's like my favorite racing game ever made. It's called Split Second, and it's so good. The problem is that they just didn't read the market correctly and released it on the same day as Red Dead Redemption, which is oh, yeah, that, that's, arguably um, one of the biggest media releases ever. Yeah. Uh, so that game tanked hard. Um, and then after that, they closed the studio. And then when they, like, LucasArts hadn't really been developing games that much. They were working on Star Wars 1313, which had been in development for a long time and had pivoted multiple times because uh, originally it was going to just be a unnamed character that, like, the game would have been about. And then eventually when George was looking at it, had decided that he wanted you to be able to play as Boba Fett. So then they had to start pivoting the entire design of the game around being Boba Fett before they before ultimately it got canceled when Disney bought the uh, license. So Disney was already like very much not excited about keeping game developers around and instead mm-hmm. licensing out their properties to uh, to actual game developers and having them make the stuff for them, which is sort of what Marvel's doing right now with their Spider-Man game. And so when they got it, they ha- they had gone into this licensing agreement with EA, where EA had the exclusive right to create Star Wars games other than the Lego games and the phone games for t- a 10-year period. And in that 10-year period, we're like four or five years in now. I think we're in four years in now. They've only produced two games. Well, I, so we've only had those two games, console games. But I think it's safe to say that in the past few years, they have been working on... You look at what ILM X Lab has been doing. You look at the Void. Look at Jedi Challenges. They're also developing other Star Wars games that are more almost attraction based. Like you would go and live them. Do you think that they're trying to? But those split? aren't EA games, really. They're not, but they're but they're still a, it's still a video game. It's more immersive than what a normal controller game is. Do you think that they're trying to split? Disney does a lot of attraction based stuff. Their video right. games have never been the bigger seller. You look at you used to spend forty dollars to buy uh, or sixty dollars to buy Battlefront versus going to do the void twice and that $60 right there. Do you think that they're trying to push more towards that kind no, of thing? No, I think it's I, I don't think I it's mean, a Disney misstep. I think it's mostly an EA. EA is misstep. Mm. In a changing in a changing game industry. I don't think it has much to do with Disney and Star Wars. Well, that's I just meant because the, the, idea, the VR stuff cuz that's that's a new right. thing that you're seeing coming out a lot more. I mean, you're getting more companies doing the VR attractions. Video games are I still there, but you can make a lot of money off of that. I think that's a really interesting point, um, especially considering I'm curious as to what the Disney World Star Wars land is going to look like. And, you know, if they really did invest in kind of home VR technology and kind of entered that space for games, like what a great mix of worlds and opportunities that would be for them. If like instead of spinning their wheels trying to figure out what's going to be next. And I think that bothered me most about the changing of the Henning game is because it sounded like they were trying to be on trend. And I was like, I wish that they would be thinking forward um, and trying to, like, break new technology with it. Maybe these VR things with this new technology. Yeah, we'll see. They seem to have embraced it, these real-world VR things. I think the main issue is that, yeah, they, like, Visceral has never been... There are very few studios in this world that are Naughty Dogs. Like... Right. Breaking new ground, being confident enough. yeah, Yeah, like, there are very few very few like a handful of studios that have the juggernaut status that like they have and the the talent and the tech and stuff visceral was very much not 
one of those studios. And so when you get someone who literally spent half their career at one of the biggest, most talented game studios in the world that pulled off the impossible, and she comes in asking for the impossible, it's like they just couldn't do it. Yeah, that's disappointing. Yeah. I, I wish that like Disney would use some of their gajillion dollars then and take the bull by the horns. Here. I think that they will not be. I I don't think EA will be getting the license back. Yeah, as much as they probably want to, unless this Jedi Fallen Order and like any subsequent sequels they develop are like amazing. You know, then I just maybe. feel like the market is there for a really good, unique Star Wars game. It is. People are hungry for it, but they're just not... I don't think people are really getting what they want, like, out of the license. And and maybe I'm thinking that maybe it's... EA... I don't want to say that after the 10-year contract is up that EA won't ever make a Star Wars game again, but I don't think that... I don't think it would be in Disney and Lucasfilm's best interest to have a sole licensee. No for the property. Yeah. I think it would be better if they either refounded LucasArts. Yeah. Uh, or they licensed out Star Wars game license to other studios with the caveat that they will have, you know, story group over like oversight. Like yeah. possibly they could add people with a gaming background to the story group to try and help maintain Are you that trying to side. make a job for yourself? Is that <laughs> what you're doing? I mean, maybe. Personal I... job security. <laughs> Talk about a job I'd never quit. Tell you what. Uh, but, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would be pretty great. Yeah, we'll see what uh, happens in the future. Yeah, we've yeah, spent a crossed. bit of time on this, so let's move on. Star Wars Rebels wins Best Animated TV Series at the Saturn Awards. Woohoo! Uh, so that was cool. And uh, I hadn't seen that. That's great. Yeah, and keeping up with the Saturn Awards thing, The Last Jedi won three Saturn Awards. Yes, yes. Uh, it won Best Actor, Mark Hamill, Best Writing for Ryan Johnson, and Best Editing, uh, Bob Dusk- Duske? Duske? I don't know how to say it. I should know that. And that's I have no idea. How to say that, that guy. That guy. That guy. Yeah, that's cool. Saturn that is cool. Awards. I'm sure everyone was so, so happy about that and had no comments at all. <laughs> um. <laughs> Dave Filoni looked real happy with his award. Just saying. He like well, had this, that. It, they won a Saturn Award second year in a row, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, last news story. San Diego Comic-Con 2018 portal for purchasing exclusives now open for submissions. Uh, so you can explain this a little bit. So this is the big change. In the past, if you've ever been to San Diego Comic-Con, you see the Hasbro exclusives, you see some of the, the, the Lego, all that kind of stuff, and the first thing you do is run straight into line hoping to get a wristband in hopes to get the ex- exclusive figure or toy. This year, it's all being done online. So right now, the uh, exclusives portal is open on uh, San SanDiegoComicCon.org. You have until... July 12th at 12 p.m. Pacific time to submit the items that you're interested for. On July 13th, they'll start pulling names and you'll know ahead of time before you go to the convention if you got the exclusive or not. The reason we're mentioning this is because right now is the time that you need to be submitting for any of the Star Wars exclusives from Hasbro, which include the Black Series Starkiller base set, uh, the 6-inch Hansel Black Series uh, Exogorth escape set, where he has the uh, little, like, uh, weird stomach bat. I don't remember what their names are. It's a cool set. Minox, thank you. And then they're also doing a really cool vintage collection set of Dr. Aphra, Triple Zero, and what was the name of the other droid? 
I like B something. I don't. I don't remember. Uh, let me get it real quick. Triple zero and BT one. I almost so, said BT, and I was like, "That's all right." <laughs> you were there. Um, but if you're trying to get any of these exclusives, you need to submit ahead of time. It's not going to be like it has been in the years past where you run to line, get in line, get a wristband, and you leave. You'll know ahead of time. So it'll be interesting to see how this impacts the floor. Uh, instead of having so many, you know, a few hundred people running in line to go get an exclusive, everyone's just going to be walking around now. So mm -hmm. it'll, it'll be interesting to see. But if you want exclusives, you need to start going online and putting your names on the list. Do you like this setup? better alex i do so it's it's just been a, a a whole thing that i've seen people either hate it or love it i personally love it because i don't want to wait 24 hours overnight to try to get a wristband to try to get a toy i love the exclusives they've just always been so hard to get and it's it's such a, a time it gobbles up your time it takes up so much time just to get something uh, i got one of the exclusives in 2000 was it 2015 and the wristband, getting the wristband was easy, but it took three and a half hours for me just to get from the wristband to purchasing my toy. Oh, and boy. so they're hoping that this will cut down on that time. Other there people, are much easier ways to buy toys. Right? I mean, other people are complaining <laughs> about how, oh, you know, now just anybody can get it. The scalpers will get it and this and that. But there's a lot of us that just can't do that kind of a time dedication. So there's a positive and negative. You also can't ever stop scalpers like you'll never stop you'll them. never no. stop scalpers no there's no way i mean yeah if i get certain toys that i you know I, so i applied for like the funko not something i'm necessarily going to collect but if i see someone says hey i got the hasbro i'm looking to trade for funko i'll i'll do that i'm not going to be going to sell it but there's always going to be people who apply for everything they'll have all 30 other friends do the same thing and they'll pay for comic-con that way i mean no matter what these end up on ebay it just kind of helps us the, the fans that can't go in line for nine hours to try to get something that we wouldn't be able to get otherwise. Yeah. I like it. Cool. Yeah, and it's also, it's an open source thing for people who physically can't, not just don't want to. Like. Right. Yeah, it's, and there's always been abuses of the ADA lines and all that, so they're hoping that this will, will limit right. that. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right, well, uh, I think it's time for Creature of the Week. <gasps> Let's do it. Ujabuk. They want no wonder. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> Our creature of the week is the Dianoga. The Dianoga were large, omnivorous cephalopods that hailed from the planet Voldron in the Skiklata cl uh, cluster. <laughs> I got so far in that before messing up. That was up. good. That was good. Although primitive, they were actually sentient. What? Oh, whoa! Throw it out. <laughs> throw yep, it out. From the although, although on in the legends tab it says they are non-sentient. So wow. Well, this yeah it says they were sensitive to the force. So this creature, this diag dianoga, dianoga is the creepy little head thing that we all know that popped out and was in the garbage masher and almost ate our beloved Luke Skywalker, preventing the entire series from taking place. Yep. Yeah, that's the next Infinities one. Luke dies in the Death Star trash compactor. Is that true or no? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that would be funny. Because that was pretty great. So the crazy thing about these things is, like, there's way more to them, apparently, than just the creepy head. There is a bunch of creepy long legs that are, like, really long. And, like, it looks like some sort of butt mouth 
like an octopus. Butt mouth. Um, super, super gross and really, really scary. And apparently super smart. So there you go. Nice. Did you read this? There's so much information about them. Yeah. They had a primitive tribal culture. They spoke in a deep, complex humming language. Jeez. Um, Someone had fun with this. They believed in reincarnation. I mean, this is all, this is all canon stuff. Uh, yeah, because I think there's a, one of the, um, one of the stories in certain point of view is from the point of view of the Dianoga in the trash compactor. There you go. There's a whole bunch was of one of the ones stories. I skipped. <laughs> oh no! It's, it's like eh, I'm not into this one as much, but it is. My favorite, my favorite thing is that experienced chefs could make grilled Dianoga into tasty breakfast dish, but overcooking it would activate the blood parasites in the fatty tissue, destroying the flavor. like what and then of course then i go to the source which is tales from a galaxy far far away aliens volume one which is a bunch of books focused around the force awakens and one was a cookbook Mm. like i just love how much little crazy how am i supposed to get dianoga meat huh how am i supposed to talk to someone who knows someone yeah i got a dianoga guy they're huge they're 10 meters large that's like a big crazy that's a lot of meat intelligent octopus you're killing and eating all right who would win a dianoga or uh oh i totally blanked what was it that lando was, this... was shipping oh lando, lando. or not han? Uh, han sorry han Ooh. see the thing about those guys which i can't remember their name is that they're like ball structure like that's <laughs> that's a legit wrath tars yeah, they... yeah they can move aggressively like they're yeah. fast but I, I feel know. like a Dianoga could just like wrap his arms around and just hold him there. And just, but like, it also eat. has arms. So they would just yeah. hug each That's other. That's true. But the, this guy's <laughs> really smart, apparently, and can like call out to his friends in his low lure, language. Lure a Rathar into a trash compactor and then you're good. Well, so how did he get in the trash compactor? Is I don't remember. Question. I think they say in the story, but. Didn't they purposely put them in there to eat organic t- tissue and stuff? Wasn't well, that maybe. the purpose of it? I think that's what it was. Something like that. I don't remember. Anyway. Oh Star Wars. Yeah. I think that's going to do it for this episode. This is a good one. It's a fun one. Um, if you'd like to follow me on the Twitters, uh, you can do so at the Jawa Josh. And uh, where else can they find you guys? Uh, you can find me, Becky, at Rebecca June Lane on Twitter. And our official Twitter is at LTA underscore radio. You can find me on Instagram, dapper underscore fet. Make sure you follow our uh, newly relaunched Instagram, at LTA underscore radio. We'll be posting San Diego Comic Con hints and drop spots there. Also, check out our Facebook, facebook.com slash radio. I like that yeah. both our Instagram and our Twitter are the same handle now. Yes. That's easy for everyone yes. to At LTA underscore radio. Did that yes, on yes, yes. purpose. Um, also, if you are a patron of the show, hopefully by the time you're listening to this episode, the watch along for the Clone Wars movie will be up. Um, I meant to edit it this weekend. It did not get any time. So Shouldn't also some of our physical rewards be The physical rewards out? have been shipped. Yes. Yay. Yes. So if you have done, if you have paid for the ten dollar physical reward tier, then your physical rewards have been shipped. So 
Josh, what is our Patreon site? So we can... Our Patreon is patreon.com slash radio. And if you want to, like, do, like, a quick 10-month for one month and then bump it back down, because we have patches and stuff, so if you're into it, patches look awesome. Yeah. The stickers are awesome, so it's kind of an easy way to get some merch, and then you get access to our new feed, which we're going to start doing uh, ble- bloopers and funny moments as yes. well as so on our exclusive feed. There is so. one of those, which I have not put on the Patreon. Or, no, I did put it on the Patreon. Uh, so this episode will also have a bloopers and funny moments um, in it as well. And, um, yeah, so, and, and also if you want to give a dollar to the Patreon, you'll get access to a bunch of other exclusive content and all that stuff. Um, I think that's it. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.